May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Apparently, God wanted us to hear the reminder to wash our hands again. (laughs) As Winnie said earlier, there's so much richness in this text, in our text for today. And uh, I have had the joy and pleasure of wrestling with them. And here's my offering, and I hope you will continue wrestling with them as well. So I am on Facebook. And um, one of the Facebook groups that I follow is a group called Running Motivation. It's a really great group. Um, It has people of all ages, all abilities, all shapes and sizes. Um, It has folks from ultra marathoners who run crazy long distances to beginner walkers. Um, who are just getting out and starting to walk around and move their bodies some. Um, It's a fantastic group, and people post on not only their successes and achievements, but they also post on their struggles, where they are struggling. Um, When it's, I just, it's been three weeks now, and I haven't found the motivation to get out the door. What's fantastic about this group, I love it, is that it is a very positive group. All the responses are words of encouragement, words of cheer for successes, um, coming alongside and saying, I've been there when you can't get out the door and can't get running for three weeks. I've been there. It's okay. You can come back out when you're ready. It is a fantastically kind and positive group. Recently, There has been um, a post from a man whose cousin would like to start getting out and working, um, getting out of his house and challenging himself to walk. Um, He has mainly been confined to his house. He struggles with uh, balance and with stability, and so he's a little fearful when he's walking. But his cousin has decided to come alongside him, his cousin works out a lot, has decided to come alongside him and join him in this challenge. And he posts pictures of them starting to walk and he's playing crazy 80s rock music and they're kind of dancing and laughing and having fun as they're walking. Um, And it's a really joyful thing to watch. And they celebrated when he got out of the house and got down to the driveway and went back. And um, they have celebrated each step on his journey. He is now able to walk um, a half a mile. And so the group, the running uh, motivation group, said, hey, how can we support, the guy's name is Kevin, how can we support Kevin in his challenge for himself? And, um, and there was the recognition that Kevin needed a really good pair of shoes. Shoes fit specifically for him uh, with good orthotics to help with his stability and balance. And so uh, the Facebook group 
people gave a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars to help support Kevin in getting a pair of shoes. And so uh, I was thinking about this because a pair of shoes, you know, it's just shoes. It's not a big deal. But for Kevin, it is the ability to get out of the house and go experience what it is to feel the pure air, the oxygen coming from the trees, the ability to get to delight and come alongside birds and butterflies and squirrels and chipmunks as he's on his walk, the ability to see, feel the sun on his face, to experience the vitamin D coming and being activated in his body. The experience of feeling his heart rate go a little bit higher and the blood pump through his body a little bit more quickly and also more uh, with more nutrients as it has more oxygen. Just to experience all of that. And then also to have this social time with his cousin, a time of play, a time of interaction. There are so many benefits for this human being from this one pair of shoes. The other piece is that Kevin gets to hear that he is important, that his journey is important, and that it doesn't only impact him, it impacts everybody around him. So there's this whole community of people that Kevin will likely never meet and never know, who have rallied around him to support him. And he receives that kindness. And that kindness impacts who he is and what he is able to do. So the last post I just saw was a post of Kevin coming out of, I think it's Fleet Feet. Um, It's a running store. And he has just been sized with shoes just for him. And he has his own specialized orthotics. And although he is masked, you can just see the joy exuding from his eyes. He is just pure joy. That, my friends, is the power of kindness. So you're getting to know all of my technology today. Another thing that I follow is a podcast called 10% Happier. The podcast is led by reporter Dan Harris. And recently, I think it was two weeks ago, he had a guest, Dasher Keltner, who is at UC Berkeley. He's a scientist there. And Dr. Keltner makes the case that Contrary to our popular conception uh, given to us by a previous scientist, Darwin, um, the conception of evolution, that it is survival of the fittest, that it's a dog-eat-dog world, that we have to compete for resources, and uh, contrary to what we see in the news of that competition happening, Our species, 
who we are as human beings is actually uniquely wired for kindness and compassion. That is, in fact, a unique element that God instilled within our very being, within our very bodies. Think about it. When you hear someone cry for help, how does your body respond? You turn towards that voice. You turn your attention. Your initial instinct is for kindness to come alongside someone to help. Or if you hear the cries of a child, what happens? Same thing. You turn towards that child. Your attention moves completely towards them and towards assisting them. Assisting someone who is in a vulnerable state of being. That is how we are wired. We wouldn't have survived in the wilds on our own against uh, lions and tigers and bears, right? But we can survive as a community, right? That is how we are uniquely wired. What we do is we come alongside someone and we help resource them so that their agency is restored. That is what kindness and compassion looks like. The other interesting piece about this scientist that he shared is that when we flex our muscle of kindness, when we act with kindness towards another, it has a huge impact far beyond that original interaction. So you are kind to someone else that person receives the kindness, and guess what happens? That muscle is strengthened in both giver and receiver, and the likelihood of another interaction of kindness is greatly amplified for both people. So the impact of that one act of kindness goes far beyond that one person or those two people in that interaction. It actually goes, stretches out to the whole community. It's fascinating stuff. Now, why am I talking on and on and on about kindness and compassion? Let's get to the gospel. So here we have Jesus and there's this shocking interaction with the Syrophoenician woman. We have just finished a series for the past five weeks. I think four out of the past five Gospels have been all about bread and feeding. He has been feeding and feeding and feeding people. And feeding with abundance and generosity. And here we have this woman who comes and asks for her daughter to be healed. And he says um, that he is not taking the bread away from the children and giving it to the dogs. What? What are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing, Jesus? We've just talked about bread. And you've given it abundantly, and let, yet you're talking about withholding it from this person? 
But the Syrophoenician woman, I would imagine, stands with great grace. And she responds, even the dogs need bread. This is an extraordinary moment where this woman, this woman has incredible faith and gets to see the potential of Jesus' ministry. And in this interaction, he, she shifts for him what he is able to see about how far his ministry can go. Now let me set the stage for this. They are far afield. They are in Tyre. This is north of Galilee. Okay? And so Jesus is here in a Gentile territory. And the power differential that you probably would normally think is going on here, it's a woman and a man, Gentile and a Jew, you would think that Jesus is up in the hierarchy, right? But actually, he is here on her territory, in her turf. She might actually have significantly more cultural capital than he does. We're told she's Syrophoenician. She's Greek, which suggests that she might have some culture and some wealth. And so she responds, I'm going to say, with grace to Jesus and gives him an opportunity to see things differently. Even the dogs need bread. Right? There's a lot that we don't know about this interaction. But we do know that her retort, her response, changes something for Jesus. He is able to see that his ministry stretches far beyond his ministry among the Jewish people. That his ministry of feeding and healing and proclaiming love and grace can be and should be done among the Gentiles as well. She shifts something for him so that he is able to see how far and broad and wide his ministry actually should be. He, she offers him a chance to actually step fully into who God made him to be. Her kindness, her grace, resourced him to be able to then recognize that his ministry of love had a far broader reach. This woman of faith in her interaction with God responded with kindness to the God of kindness calling him to even greater kindness and love. 
So what does this say for us? As people of faith, as people who have been wired by God for kindness and compassion, our call as we go out into the world, our call in here as we interact together, is to recognize that we do have differences and that those are blessings as well. But the way we connect with one another, the way we resource one another, the way we step more fully into who we were created to be is by practicing kindness and compassion. That is the heart of God's people. That is the heart of God. Amen.